Good morning, Christ Central. My name is Angel Rutledge, and I am a member of the Plaza Midwood Community Group. Um, this morning, um, our, the word comes from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, it's verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Appreciate y'all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use this word this morning to encourage us in a fresh way to live the new life for which you have saved us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want you to get from this text this morning. That if you are a believer here today, you were spiritually dead. But God made you alive for good. I'll say that one more time in case somebody's taking notes. If you're a believer here today, you were spiritually dead. But God made you alive for good, for good. Now, before I got into ministry and started doing all this advising that Josh was reading. I was an up-and-coming movie star. Let me stop lying. I was, I was an extra in one movie one time in college. The name of the movie was Home of the Giants, and it was a movie about a high school kid whose friend, the star basketball player, gets him caught up in some trouble. Now, I'll be honest, the movie, it won't all of that. Right? As a matter of fact, the last time I checked on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it had like 40% or something like that. You know how they give a little splat if it's not fresh? That movie was all splat. But the movie did have a couple of actors in it that had a little buzz back in the late 90s, early 2000s, including the former childhood movie star Haley Joel Osment. Y'all remember little Haley Joel Osment? Remember when he played um, Forrest Gump's son? in uh, Forrest Gump, but the movie that really put him on the scene, Amari, I heard you say it, was The Sixth Sense, right? And uh, who was that other actor, the main other actor in that movie with him? Bruce Willis. Why that brother always seemed like he having a bad day in every last one of his movies? 
Anyway, Bruce Willis was Haley Joe Osment's child psychologist in the movie. And remember Haley Joe Osment's character, I think his name was Cole in the movie? Cole had a special gift, a sixth sense that allowed him to be able to see what? Dead people. Little boy could see some dead people. I see dead people had to be and has to be one of the most famous movie quotes of the last 30 years. Right up there with, by Felicia, right? <laughs> this week I actually went back and I watched that scene, the one where Cole finally confessed to his psychologist that he could see dead people. And I want you to listen to the whole quote from that scene. If you remember, little Cole is all curled up in a psychiatric hospital bed. And he looks over at Bruce Willis's character and says, I want to tell you a secret now. I see dead people walking around like regular people. They don't know they're dead, but I see them all the time and everywhere. Now, of course, the movie The Sixth Sense is a fictional movie. It's not true. But whether the script writers intended to or not, they came really close in those famous lines in paraphrasing a real and terrifying spiritual truth. A truth that the Apostle Paul reveals to us in the beginning of our text this morning. And if you have access to that passage, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, I invite you to look there with me. We're going to be walking through it a little bit here. Paul begins by saying, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So to quote the movie again, Paul is essentially saying, I see dead people. I see spiritually dead people all the time and everywhere walking around like regular people. And again, unlike the movie, Paul's words here are infinitely more chilling than any scene in any fictional movie could ever be because what Paul is saying here is actually true. It's actually true for each and every one of us. You were spiritually dead, not just spiritually weak, not just spiritually flawed or spiritually confused, but utterly, completely spiritually dead living a spiritually zombie kind of life, a dead life, a walking dead life, if you will, characterized not by a commitment to God, not by a commitment to the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But instead, Paul tells us that in our deadness, we were fully committed to what I call the unholy trinity, the unholy trinity of the world, the devil, and your own sinful flesh. Look back with me again at the beginning of the passage. Again, Paul says, and you were dead. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, in which you once walked. And it was a kind of living deadness, Paul says, that was characterized, again, by following the course of this world, looking to this raggedy, broken world with all of its ungodly philosophies and ideologies to tell us how to live our life. As a matter of fact, Paul says, you were actually enslaved to the world. And not just enslaved to the world, but Paul says we were chained up by the devil too, by the prince of the power of the air, as Paul calls him. 
And along with the world and the devil, probably the worst of them all, we were slaves to ourselves. Living to gratify the passions of the flesh, Paul says in verse 3. Giving ourselves over to that which ultimately could never satisfy and inevitably that which was destroying our souls. And that was all of us, sisters and brothers. Paul says at the end of verse 3 that we all were by nature children of wrath. We all were so much in the grip of this world and the devil and our flesh that we were only able to live dead opposed to the holy God who created us, which therefore 100% deserved God's eternal righteous judgment. Again, that's what Paul means when he says we were by nature, each and every one of us this morning on our own, destined for God's eternal wrath. A eternal life apart from God's goodness and mercy. Trapped in ultimate misery forever. Your brother Paul ain't pulling no punches here. He's dipped his brush in the darkest possible hues to paint for us a graphic picture, a vivid, explicit picture of our sinful spiritual state without God's intervention. And Paul does this not ultimately to scare you, but for the opposite reason. He does this so that the relief of the good news of the gospel can shine as bright as it should in your soul this morning. Amen? And that good news begins with those two powerful words in the beginning of verse 4. But God. Amen? In the famous words of the Reverend, great Reverend Howard Brown, that right there is a big but, and God cannot lie. Amen? Don't worry, some of y'all will get it on the way home. Anyway, look back with me at verse 4. Paul says, but God being rich in mercy. Now, Paul's there. In other words, Paul is saying that this ain't no budget or discount kind of mercy. It's a rich mercy. God has racks on racks of mercy and chose to make it rain with his mercy in your life. Amen? Keep reading verse 4. And because of God's great love in which he loved us, not just with an okay kind of love, not just with a good enough kind of love, but a love for you so great that he even had it for you, verse 5, when you were still dead in your trespasses. Think about that. God's love for you, sisters and brothers, is so real so great, so powerful that it could break through the thick wall of our rebellion to rescue our dead selves and make us alive together with Jesus Christ. Amen. And Paul says God did it all in every single way, all by his own self. Amen. The end of verse five says it is by grace that you have been saved. And Paul says in verse seven, it is by grace so that in the coming ages, in the, the world and life to come, God might show off, Paul says, I love this, the immeasurable, the immeasurable riches, the immeasurable riches of his grace, the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness, Paul says, towards sinners like us. And again, God did it all without a lick of help 
from any of us. And Paul makes sure that we don't get that twisted by doubling back again in verse 8, saying again, in case y'all missed it, that it's only by grace you've been saved through faith. Sisters and brothers, the only reason that you are no longer on a fast track to hell is because God decided one day to pick you up, as the old church says, and turn you around, amen, and place your feet, amen, on solid ground, amen. God and God alone is the one who placed you on the path of new life in him. And again, you contributed nothing at all, as Paul says at the end of verse 8. Your salvation, he says, is not of your own doing, which how could it be? Think about it. Ain't no dead person raising themselves up from the grave, right? So neither could you raise your spiritually dead self up either. We contributed exactly nothing to our salvation. As a matter of fact, the only thing we brought to the table was a bunch of debt. We were only a liability to our own salvation. You know how sometimes Christian folk will say stuff like, when I let Jesus into my life, or when I chose Jesus to be my savior, and I get what folk are talking about, I probably said it before myself. But the reality is that God had to first choose you way before you could choose him back, amen? Don't forget, sisters and brothers, you were dead. And the last time I checked, dead folk ain't choosing nothing. Jesus had to choose you first. Jesus had to choose to put himself in your life. Even the little faith that it took for you to believe in Jesus. He had to give you that too. That's how jacked up we were. Again, Paul says, verse 8, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And that faith itself, Paul says, is not of your own doing, but it too is a gift of God. He doesn't stop. Verse 9 emphasizes the point saying that this salvation is not the result of works, so that no one, nobody, not even the most intelligent, not even the most successful, children, not even the most well-behaved person, could ever ultimately boast, you were dead, but God. But God, amen? But God by his own self made you alive. But Paul ends our text this morning by reminding us that even though we are indeed saved by grace alone, this grace is so powerful that it never remains alone. Amen? Understand, excuse me, we are saved, sisters and brothers, not by good works, but we are saved for good works. Look there at verse 10, Paul says, for we are God's workmanship. In other words, as a believer this morning, saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, if, if that is you here this morning, you are right now God's masterpiece, amen? A masterpiece for whom the master has perfectly pieced together a whole bunch of good works for us by the spirit to do. It's God himself, brothers and sisters, who delivers to us a regular daily supply 
of customized, prepackaged opportunities each and every day to show off his grace and his mercy and his justice through our lives to our watching world. Amen? You were dead, but God made you alive, and he made you alive for good. Amen? Again, for good as in for good works, but peep the word play. God also made you alive for good, as in that he's made you alive forever and can't nothing reverse that. The Bible says that whom the son sets free is what? Free indeed. Amen? Amen? Before I leave this morning, I want to go ahead and apply this for us. And there's three things, very briefly, that believing this truth, the truth that you were dead, but God made you alive and made you alive for good. Three quick ways believing that ought to practically impact your life this week. Number one, humility. Everyone say humility. Y'all saying humility like you don't want that one. <laughs> Knowing that you ain't do nothing at all to save yourself from the hell that you deserve. If that don't do anything else for you this morning, sisters and brothers, it ought to bring you down to earth a little bit. Amen? It's crazy how us Christian folk can sometimes be the most self-righteous, pretentious, arrogant kind of folk I know. Ooh, we can be some judgy folk sometimes, can't we? Shoot. I know I can. Now, most of the time I got enough sense that I'm not going to say it out loud. But I for sure be looking at folk and saying to myself sometimes, Mm -mm -mm. Why can't they just get their act together, right? Y'all know how we are sometimes. Now, now I know I ain't perfect. That's how you know you're about to say something sideways, right? <laughs> I ain't perfect, but uh, at least I'm not like so-and-so. At least I'm not out here like them. Y'all know how we be. Don't trip. We can be some old prideful, stuck-up jokers sometimes, can't we? And you know why? Because we forget that we ourselves were once dead until God decided to have mercy on us. Amen? But now we got the nerve to be looking at folk all cross-eyed. Now, nah, player, God's like, you better miss me with all of that, right? Talking about folk need to get their act together. The only reason you got any act together in your life right now is because God did that. Amen? Oh, maybe some of y'all a little bit better put together than me today, but... I know how wicked I can be, amen? I, I know I ain't nothing but what they call a hot, funky mess, right? Not just a mess, not just a hot mess, but a hot, funky mess without the saving and sanctifying immeasurable grace of God working overtime in my life. Can I get an amen from anybody that knows that you'd be out here wilding in these streets too the second God took his hand off your life? So again, sisters and brothers, believing that you were dead, but God made you alive for good, it ought to at least humble us a little bit this morning. So number one, humility. And number two, holiness. Say holiness. Notice in verse two, Paul intentionally says that we were dead in the sins in which we once walked. Key words, were and once. Those what we call past tense words, right? Which means 
That ain't your story no more, amen? Used to be, but God made you alive and made you alive to walk a new walk, amen? To walk a new walk with a little gospel limp in it. Now, sometimes we all slip back into living in some ways like the dead folks that we used to be. And some of you all may be in a season like that right now. And I just want to say to you, sisters and brothers, that's actually normal in the Christian life. And you better believe that the unholy trinity of the world, the devil, and your flesh, you better believe that every single day they are triple teaming you to try to get you to crawl back into living in that grave like you're still dead. But you're not dead. You are alive. Amen? Amen? If you're a believer here this morning, I want you to say that. Say, I am alive. Say, I'm alive. Say, I'm alive so the devil can hear it. Amen. Amen. And in Jesus' name, you now have the power of God behind you to spiritually karate chop the devil, the world, and your flesh whenever they start coming for your heart. And some of us here this morning, we know we need to brush up a little bit on some of our spiritual karate moves. Some of us came out of all the craziness of 2020 not punching and kicking as good as we used to. And we're still not in proper form, some of us. It's been a struggle of mine. Some of us just have gotten a little spiritually lazy. We've dozed off at the wheel. And God is saying to us this morning, Wake up, wake up my son, wake up my daughter. Shake off those old raggedy grave clothes that you put back on. They don't even fit no more. You don't even look good in them anymore. Take them off and wrap yourself once again in the holy garment of God's love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and power against the shackles of sin in your life. Humility holiness, and hope. By grace, through faith in Jesus, sisters and brothers, you have a hope that can't be shaken. Amen? I don't care what sin struggles you're dealing with right now. I don't care what angle of trying to love hard to love people that you're struggling with right now. I don't care how much you think you're failing in your Christian walk right now. God is saying to you this morning that there's still hope, amen? As long as he's your God and he says you're alive, there's hope. Hope for you to grow. Hope for you to stand firm. Hope for you to keep on getting up when you stumble. Hope for you to keep on getting up when you fall. And hope enough even for you to help pick up a sister or brother along the way when you see them fall too you're a believer here this morning, there is hope. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you're not yet a believer, guess what? There's hope for you too this morning. There's hope because God's resurrecting, saving grace hasn't run out yet. Amen? If you are here this morning, and haven't come to believe that Jesus Christ really lived and died and rose from the dead, 
to raise you from spiritual death to spiritual life, if you haven't believed that yet, then I want you to hear me very clearly this morning. You, my friend, are dead. Like that quote in the movie, you are a dead person walking around. Now, you may look alive on the outside. Matter of fact, you may look more alive on the outside than a lot of these folk in here this morning. But inside, your soul is dead. And deep, deep down, guess what? You know it's true. But God, my friend, but God can and will make you alive even this morning. He can make you alive to a new life in him. So my friend, if you feel like God might be doing that work in your heart, even right now as I'm speaking, don't leave here today. Listen, don't leave here today without letting one of the leaders at this church know about that. And let me tell you why. Because if God is really up to that work in your heart right now, I remember when God started that work in my life, if he's really up to that work in your life, in your heart right now, then you better believe that that unholy trinity that I keep talking about, of the world out there, the devil, and your own flesh, your own mind and emotions, are all getting strapped up right now to try to destroy what God is doing in you before it can take root. The Bible actually tells us that's how the word goes out and how it can be taken away. This is not a game. And if it was, they don't play fair. But God, my friend, God has already actually made a provision for you to fight against that and to begin walking in a new life he has for you. And the first step in the defense for you this morning is simply letting someone here know that you think God is up to that kind of work in your heart and allow them to help usher you further in that direction. And you actually have some time this morning to do that. There's some chairs back to my right and over here to my left, red chairs, where people will be seated during our communion time. And I encourage you to go over there, talk with them, and let them pray for you. We were dead. But God made us alive in Jesus for good. Let that truth marinate in your heart and your mind this week and let it do the humbling and the holy making and the hope-filling work that God wants it to do in your life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for making us alive and making us alive for good. Holy Spirit, let that truth humble us. Let it inspire us to live the holy lives you've made us alive for. And let it help us to hold on to hope just a little bit tighter this week. In Jesus' name, amen.